We're going to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Been in, I happened to be in a Colossians class all week, so that would help a little. <laughs> but as we, when we were in class, this verses began to just leap off the page to me this morning. Colossians chapter 3. Aren't you thankful for the presence of God? When you, when you are for lack of a better word, used to an atmosphere conducive to his presence, you can get complacent. Never take for granted the presence of the Spirit of God in your life, whether it be in a church service, driving down the road, in your prayer closet, in the kitchen. Never take the presence of the Lord for granted. It's always a special thing when a God of heaven wants to touch a human being. Come on, church. I, I don't know about you, but I need him. I need him today. Not just tomorrow or what could be. I need him today. Sometimes those, there's words that just scream in my spirit, like a Paul at Mars Hill when he declared that it's in him that I live and move and have my being. I need him more today than yesterday. I need him. Colossians chapter 3, just a couple verses, says... And verse 1 says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of earth. For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is our life, do you hear that? With Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify Therefore, your members, that word mortified literally means put to death. When a pastor reads put to death your members, it could mean something different. <laughs> I've wanted to put a few to death before. As Whitney's familiar. No. Mortify is talking about your, 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 you, your parts. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication and uncleanliness, inordinate, that's unnatural affections, 
evil desires and covetous, which is idolatry, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God on the children of disobedience. In the which you also walked some time when you, when, did you see it? When, when you lived in them. Do you notice some tenses? When you lived in them. But now, but now, you also put off how many of these things? All these things, anger. Well, that one speaks to me because sometimes I'm angry at the world around me. Oh, there's a place for be angry and sin not. There's a place for righteous anger. There's things you should be mad about. You should be mad about the things God's mad about. But I don't want a spirit of anger. You ever met an angry person? But now you also put off all things, anger, wrath, and malice, blasphemy, filthy, <laughs> filthy communication out of your mouth. You mean God wants you to clean up your language? You don't say. I see preachers starting to cuss so they can relate to their people. <laughs> Y'all think I'm, I'm making that up. I'm not. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And that opening verse says, if you be risen in Christ, and I always say if is always the biggest word in the sentence. This word here translated in the King James if is a little interesting to what it normally would be. We know if is conditional. Yes, <laughs> in this particular case, if would be translated more in the sense of a fulfilled condition. It's still conditional, but it's a fulfilled condition. It would have been better translated since you then be risen in Christ. Seek those things which are above. Father, we need you today. Lord, and I'm asking for the preacher to come, the teacher, the one who makes communication easy, the one who gives us ears to hear and hearts to receive, the one who reveals your word. Lord, I ask you today, speak to our hearts today, and we will ask and be careful to thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. In these opening verses of Colossians, of course, this is, this is a, Paul is the writer and he's writing from, uh, from prison. It's a prison epistle and, and he's writing because as usual, things have began to creep into a church, Colossae being at the crossroads of Europe and Asia and and on a major trade route. So there's influences coming in from everywhere. There's, there's, there's mysticism 
coming from the East, there, the Oriental or Asian mysticism coming from the East. There's Gnosticism that's beginning to take uh, root in the church in early stages as that special knowledge and, and special revelation. And then coming from, from the South, there's coming Jewish legalism, that's, and it's all coming to a crossroads here at Colossae. And, and Paul is getting word and Paul is writing to, to begin to correct and to set back in order the things that are being steered in the wrong directions so that the gospel can, be can, can survive, so that people can have victory. There's a reason always that, that it matters. Somebody hear me already. It matters. Listen to me. It matters what you believe. So Paul is continually through all of his writings, but particularly here, he is, he is warding off Paul planted, this is a, uh, the, his, his protege planted this church. They've had the truth, and now they're beginning to deal with problems. And towards the end of the book now, in the second half, he addresses problems in, in chapters 1 and 2, and then chapters 3 and 4, it becomes practical. And I think the gospel ought to always be practical. I spend a lot of time teaching you just, especially Wednesday night, just what does the Word say? But I'm steered again to be reminded that people need to know how to live for God. We know how to get saved. We know what brings us in. But I've been in all of my life, I'm, I'm 51 and some months years old, and I've, I, I, I am still continually learning how to live for God. It's from faith to faith, as Romans 1 would tell you. It's from faith to faith. It's from glory to glory. It, it, we learn line must what? Be upon line. Precept must be upon precept. Here a little, there a little. I'm continually gaining understanding how to live for God. Church, we live in an age where we need to know how to live for God. Because that's not a willy-nilly experience. Does it, South Texas understand Arkansas willy-nilly? It's not a casual, slumbering thing to live victoriously for God. Now, see, I don't want to just see you. Paul didn't want to just see you. Jesus didn't want to just see you live for God. He wanted to see you have life. And what? And life more abundantly. I heard maybe the only person I've ever heard say it Heard it repeated this week from a, maybe the only other person I've ever heard say it from the pulpit. I'm sure there's others, but I have said often that we have people who are saved. They're going to heaven if they fall dead, get run over by a truck, whatever. They're going to be in heaven. But they're miserable here. Miserably saved. Do you even know that's possible? Do you know that it's possible? I, it's possible. It's not only possible, it's you're surrounded by it. 
People who have the same cares and the same stresses and the same anxieties and the same angers and the same... The church looking so much like everything that's going on in the world that they're just as... You know when you read, it disturbs me when I read studies on the church and I find out that we're just as suicidal. That we're just as prone to addiction. That we're just as prone to divorce. That we're just as prone. And when I read that, it's real tempting to get down. But I realize it's, a, it's because no people are no longer being taught how to live for God. Because I've got to tell you, that's not God's intention. Y'all are quiet this morning. It's not God's intention for us to go through life just trying to make it, to, to hoping that we can get to heaven today would be better. Have you ever been there? I'm, I'm ready to go to heaven. Today would be great. God doesn't want us to walk out that life like this. He has a way. He has a plan. I want to remind you before we go even further that although we are in this world, we're not of this world. We're not supposed to be isolated. We're not supposed to be, we're separated in the sense we're separated unto God, but we're not supposed to be separated from people. We got jobs. We got, we got relationships. Now, we're not, we're not hanging out and going to, to the bars and the clubs and all those things, but we live in this world. Oh, I gotta, I'm going to have to come on down because y'all, Y'all get on my nerves when you're quiet, just to tell you. And y'all do better when I just come down here and spit on you. I told you Wednesday night that I, like Brother Brinkle, I'm, I'm just glad I got in. That's the number one thing. I am glad I got in. But you know what? As long as I'm here, I want to do more than just get in. As long as I, I don't want to just make it day by day. I don't want to just make, I, I'm talking about, I know, I know that today is the day of salvation. I know that we don't worry about tomorrow, take no thought for tomorrow. I, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about the mental set of exhaustion that says, I can barely make it another day. That's what I'm talking about. Are you with me? That, my God, I hope, that, oh, I hope this day would get over. We've all had them, but it becomes a pattern of life. And that's not God's plan for his people. He plans for us to have love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and temperance and faith, self-control. He intends us to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. He says, since you are risen in Christ, do you understand that you, that you were dead in sin? I want to talk to you. This morning, I didn't come to spit that much. I come to talk to you. I come to give you the word. I come to encourage you. I, come to, to, I, I, I want somebody to leave here today knowing that you can live for God. And that when you live for God, that, you, that it's not a drudgery. 
When you live for God, that it's, that it's not a boring life, that it's not, that it's not a, that it's not a hard life, that it's not a, I can't do it life. I want to remind you that the same, uh, the same epistle tells us that he's given us both the will and the do his good pleasure. When you get saved, he gives you the want to. Somebody, y'all understand? When you get saved, uh, as long as y'all keep looking at me like I'm crazy, like, you, like you've never, I've been here four years, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy this morning. Do you know when you got saved, he gave you new want to's? New want to's. If he didn't give you new want to's, you didn't get, thank you. If he didn't change it, because if a man is in Christ, he's a new creation. If he didn't change your want to, something didn't happen. But he don't just change your want, if he changed your want to's and didn't give you something else, that would be a terrible situation. But he gave you the ability, the power, the grace to do. It says, since you, since you are risen in Christ. Somebody, if you don't realize anything else this morning, realize something. When you got saved, you were dead, now you're alive. Since you are risen in Christ, since that's happened, seek those things. Which are above. I'm talking about how to live for God. You gotta seek those things. Are they hidden? The Bible says that there's hidden treasures of God. Is God hiding them because he don't want you to have them? No, he's hiding you because, hiding them. They're, they've got to be sought because he wants you to find them. Seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. How many of you ever had little ones that you played hide and seek? Can I ask you a question? Was the joy in the hiding or was the joy in the finding? I want to ask you again. Oh, when you're playing with your friends and you're finding the best hiding spot, that's cool and fine. I'm talking about when mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa play hide and seek. Is, is, the, is the joy in the hiding or is the joy when they find you? If you happen to be one of those people that hides Easter eggs, why do you hide Easter eggs? I mean, I could really ask you why, but <laughs> I'm asking you why. Why do you hide Easter eggs? So they'll find them. Seek those things which are above. Listen, there's, there's misconceptions that happen in the church. See, salvation was free, but it'll cost you everything. He, it's all freely, freely given, freely received, but he wants you to seek him. Seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. It's for the joy of being found. Church, you've got to seek him. I'm looking for a heart change in the people of Mag. I'm looking for, I'm looking for a church that will get past their salvation. I'm looking for, a, I am praying, looking, fasting for a church that will not only get past, they, that, they're, they're, that they got saved, that they want to seek the things of God. 
Because when you seek the things of God, you'll find the things of God, and it will begin to pour out blessings in your life that you could never imagine. That when you when it begins, it quits being a Sunday to Wednesday. Maybe it's just Sunday morning to Sunday morning. Maybe it's not even Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday night to Wednesday, Wednesday to Saturday. Maybe it's just a Sunday to Sunday thing. When your salvation is more than punching your ticket, you're going to make it to heaven. I'm not even really sure you can live that way. I'm really not. But let's say you can. But when it becomes more than it's, when it becomes more than I just get to go to heaven, but I get to seek everything that God has for me, it's going to blow the doors off of your life. It'll blow the doors off of your family. It'll blow the doors off of your marriage. It'll blow, it'll blow the doors off of your relationship. And by the way, he'll begin to do things, never mind what comes out, he'll begin to do things in you. Do we still believe God works in people? If you can believe God saves people, how many of you in this room believe God saves people? If you believe God saves people, then you can believe God for anything. People are impressed with miracle signs and wonders, and Jesus said they were nothing. He called them an evil generation that sought a sign. Signs, people chasing signs and everywhere. Whenever Jesus said that the signs were to follow. Oh, y'all don't even hear me. You're still not hearing me. I'm talk listen, I'm talking about, y'all look at me. All over this house. Look at me. I'm if Paul was speaking to you this morning, you know what he would say to you? He said, he'd say, I implore you. He would say, I, now, now I understand sometimes why Paul says, I beseech you. He is literally looking at his people, writing to it, and he is begging them to listen. Begging them to get interested. Begging them to get over their carnal Christianity. Begging them to seek the, the finer things of God. Begging them to seek the deeper things of God. For, for Paul's sake? No. For their sake. For the kingdom's sake. For their sake. So I'm imploring you, Mag Church, to get past I got saved. And to seek God with all of your heart. It's going to take time out of your schedule. You say, I don't got time. Give me a break. You've got time. If I, were to check the, if I was to check the uh, time logs that's hidden in the registers of your phone, they're there, by the way. I bet I could find all kinds of time. I know I could in mine. For what's important. I often say I, I, I try to be gracious, but I say there ain't nobody in this world busier than me. I promise you, there ain't nobody in this world busier than I am. That's not a brag, that's just a fact. And you know what? I fail sometimes too, but you know what? I, I'm so hungry. If we don't get past it, if we don't get past the first point this morning, that's all right. Mag, it's got to be more. We've got to seek the things of God. When you seek the things of God, miracles happen. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. 
they shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. It says that, that if they eat or drink any deadly thing, it shall be a not by no means harm them. If you, you ought to live in a world that sometimes y'all drift off on stuff like that. Y'all think that they ain't coming a time where people are going to try to kill you. There's people killing people right now in the United States for no other reason than who they are. See, uh, that verse about taking up serpents and drinking any deadly thing, it's not about snake handling churches. Those are foolish people. That's not about going and grab you, grab you a water moxkin and, and, and God will, will protect you from the bite. No, that's about when, when Paul, is, is, is for the sake of the gospel, is reaching down in the firewood and gets latched on, a viper latches on his hand, and they're looking at him. They say, you must be cursed because you're near shipwreck now, you're snake bit. This man must be cursed. And he shook it off in the fire because they were waiting on him to die. And when he didn't die, they said, this man must be a god. It's about when they try to poison your food and you just ate and they don't know and you never knew the difference because he protected you. We're in a world, I'm preaching to you to seek for yourself, but we're in a world where the church, the world desperately needs a church that is seeking after God. Your family needs it. You need it. Seek. Set your affection on things above. Do you know if I could point to one thing that's a key? Do you know what he's asking? You know what he's telling you? Set your affection on things above. Jesus said it this way. Don't lay your treasure up on earth where moths can come eat it and rust can corrupt it. But set your affections on things above where the moths can't get to it and the rust can't corrupt it. He told you that where your heart is, where your treasure is, somebody hear me? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Mm. Show me your calendar and your disposable income, if you have any. That's getting less and less. Yours is too. Your disposable income is getting less and less because you live in this country. I'll just leave it at that. Show me your disposable income. Show me your calendar. And I'll tell you your heart. That's what we were talking about, Whitney. said, we make time. Set your things. Set your affections on things. About. What's your affections, church? That's where your heart's at. And he tells us literally to get them off of this junk. Can I just ask a question because this is an odd feeling service. I don't know what you feel, but I don't mind. I've never minded to tell you when I find it odd feeling and hard and plowing deep 
but hard and people just looking at you. But it's challenging about where our affections are because it cuts to the heart of the matter. And it's going to separate who's separ- who is who is serious and who's not. And the climate of the world that we're facing will separate the casual from the dedicated. I'm having to change what I care about. Brother Scott, when you seek the things of God first, I should say it this way, when you, the first to seek, when you seek the kingdom of God, he begins to change where your affections are. But he tells you this, the Spirit of God, remember the Spirit of God is writing through Paul. He says, set your affections. Do you know what that is? Matt, that is a determination. That is a setting the stake. That is a setting anchor. That is a that is a that is a uh, 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 tying to the moorings. It's not a casual thing, it, because I'm going to tell you the world and the things of the world, and even. Religious things are pulling at the moorings of your life and will try to cause you to drift and drift and to drift. And it's seek the things of God, but set your affections on the things above. You can't. <laughs> Sometimes I hesitate to say things because they think you're talking about one thing, but I'll go ahead and say, you can't set your affections on Beyonce. And on the Holy Spirit at the same time, it's not possible. You can't set you can't set your affections on the casino and expect the blessings of God. It won't work that way. It says, set your th- affections on things above. That's things that are that's things that are out of this world. That's things that are beyond this world. That's things that are not temporal. All this stuff is nothing. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the world, for you are dead. You said, I thought I was alive. And now he says, I'm dead. Paul's confused. There's a contradiction. The atheist says there's contradictions everywhere. There's a, he says, since you're alive, but you're dead. Listen. I'm a, I was dead in my trespasses of sin. I was called out of darkness into his life. I, I was called into life. I'm in Christ, so I'm in life. And, I'm, and he will write to the Galatian church. You know what he says. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. For the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, I'm alive. I was dead spiritually, separated from God eternally. He called me into life. Now, since I'm seeking the things of God, I'm setting my affections on him. This world is dead to me. 
This world and the things of this world are dead to me. Paul said, I count it all, all of it, all of it. It's not for the kingdom. I count it as loss, all of it. Oh, I know it's serious. I know it's challenging. I know what causes us to sit back. And it's, it's straight to the quick, but this, this is how you begin to live for God. There's some things that has to be decided. For you are dead, for, for you are dead, and your life is hidden in Christ. He is talking about a separation that comes from this world when you seek the things of God and set your affections on the, on the things above. It says then you're hidden in Christ. Listen, there is no safer place in this world than to be hidden in Christ. There's no more powerful position than to be hidden in Christ. If you're hidden in Christ, the trash won't come into your life and will have no place in your life. When Christ, who is our life, let me just stop and ask you. It's not, it's, don't answer out loud. This is not that you were going to. Christ, he says, since Christ is our life. Is he your life? That cuts to the heart of the matter this morning. Is he your life? What does that mean? Let me help you. I'm not picking. We all said, and this is not wrong. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get you to get. My children are my life. I mean, you said that. My children are my life. Or my spouse is my life. Some people, way too many people, my job is my life. When you seek the things of God, set your affections, separate yourself. Since Christ is my life. Since he is my life, I shall also appear with him in glory. See, there's the reward. There's the end. Now mortify, put to death your members. Mag Church, I've been preaching this. Such a heavy, solemn atmosphere this morning. But God is dealing with, Brandon, you can come back and play. Doesn't mean anything, but you can do that. Are we just being challenged beyond where we want to go? I'm asking me too. Because God challenges me into places. He often challenges me into places. I want to tell you, look at me and hear me. He often challenges me into places that I absolutely do not want to go. 
wouldn't be much of a sacrifice of it. What would be the big deal? But I have found that obedience brings the power of God. I have found, I've told you, preached that for the power of God is in obedience. I have found that there, I, it's come to the point it ought to just be silly by now that I want to argue with God over places to go or things that he asked me to do or not to do. Sometimes he asks you to do things. Sometimes he asks you, asks you. Sometimes he asks you not to do things. Everybody thinks it's that. And none of it's, living for God is not about do's and don'ts. Living for God is about love and obedience. Living for God is about trust and obey. Living for God is, is reading his word and applying it to my life and not being hearers only but doers of the word. Living for God is whenever I begin to trust him with everything I am. When he begins to take the very top spot of my life above absolutely everything, all of it, everything, nothing more important. And I begin to set my affections on the things above. When I begin to raise my gaze, when I begin to look into the hills from what's cometh my help, that with obedience comes power and strength and fruit, results. I know it's a challenging thing to look at a, at a group of people and say, casual's not going to do it. Casual's not going to do it. And still be talking to yourself. Preacher, how much in you can possibly die? I think he wants all of it. And I'm still finding me everywhere I turn around. Do you know what? Let me go over here and tell you. I'm still finding me everywhere I turn around. You know what he wants me to do? Die. You know why? So he can live. Because I know that in me dwells no good thing. If you, think, if you think something good dwells in you because of you, you're deceived. And by the way, you probably think more highly of yourself than you ought. Because the Word of God said, settle in your heart that the Word of God is true. Settle in your heart that the Word of God is true and the Word of God says that in me dwells no good thing. When I come to Him, I come empty-handed. I have nothing to offer. And everything that I'm holding on to screaming, I'm holding on to temporal things. And things that are literally are things that are stunning. We say, I want revival. I want the power of God. But don't take my stuff. Don't take my stuff. Don't ask me to give. Don't ask me to give up that. I've worked all of my life to get to the place that I Well, if I ain't preaching, I don't know who is. I've worked all of my life to get to the place where I can have that. And God says, did you ever ask me if I wanted you to have that? 
Did you even ask me? Did I, did I, did you ever ask me if I wanted you to have that? Boy, I get in a little bit of trouble right here at noon, almost. Noon means nothing at Mag if you've never been here. I'm reading all the preacher burnout this and pastor burnout there. And, and I, 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 I don't know that much. I get tired. But I find out when I start to get grippy. No amens. They all, you wait all service for don't get anything when you need it. And then you start getting amens. At the, I've got a well. I keep reading through this church age, New Testament church age. Really, the whole book. You know what I can't find? Now, do you know that? Do you know that God says He's given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness? He so everything's in there, right? Right, 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 right. Is it all in there? I don't find one word about burnout in ministry. Not one. I don't find one word about burnout in ministry. You know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. Listen to me, any preacher that might happen to watch later, because you're in your own church right now. You want to watch later? Let me tell you something. If you're burnout, it's because you're killing yourself doing stuff that God never asked you to do. The reason you're burned out and used up is you're, is you're doing things that God never asked you to do. Period. You're consumed. That applies to the pew. You're stretched out, stressed out, burn out, burn up, and stretched here to stretch there, and you've never stopped and asked God if this is what you want in my life. You've, I've worked all of my life. I've got the, listen, I'm an adult. I'm an adult. I've got the money. Can y'all see my attitude or I need to get back up on stage? Because I know how we are. Listen, preacher. It's not sin. It's not illegal. I'm an adult. I've got the money. I've earned it. I'll do what I want to. Fine. Look at me, literally. It's nothing to me. It's absolutely nothing to me. I don't live your life. I'm responsible for right here, preaching the truth of God's Word, being there for when we need me. You, I give you what you need. You walk out that door. You apply it wherever you need to. And if you don't, it's nothing to me. But we got people stretched out on the verge of bankruptcy. Their finances stretched to the max because they're, they're, they're keeping up with the Joneses. Preachers are, are chasing every program because the district said or the book said or the latest program said or the, language, the latest church growth scheme said and, the, and they never went to God and never asked him, what would you have me do? Then they wonder why they're used up, burnt out, angry, bitter, depressed, and over it. He's asking you to seek Him. Set your affections on Him. Separate yourself from this junk and see what He can do. And I'm going to tell you, the Word of God is universal truth. 
If it works for me, it'll work for you. If it's true for me, it's true for you. If it'll help me, it'll help the ones that don't even want to do anything but yawn sometimes. It's true for you. It's true for you. It's true for you. It's true for you. You know what'll happen when you... See, he'll never take anything that you needed. Boy, I, I realize why you don't want to say amen. Because right now, let me read some mail a little bit. Can I read just a little bit of mail real quick? See, I told you you'd give them hope. Let me read a little bell right now. You know why there's no amen right there? Because something right now is in your mind that you know good and well that you don't need that, God, that God's asked you for, and you're not going to say a word of amen because amen means so be it. And if I say amen, then you've agreed with God, and you ain't ready to agree. You ain't agreeing with the preacher. I'm talking about right now. There, there is no doubt in my mind across this place. I'm talking about these things, giving you the word, talking about what it goes to. And right now, God the, whole, God, the Holy Spirit is coming in, talking to you about things that are using you up, that is using you, your family, your finances, your time. It's using you. That, and by the way, here, somebody hear me. The thief cometh not but to steal you think that's your money. It could be your time. The thief cometh not to steal. You think it's money. It could be your relationships. The thief cometh not. He comes for one reason only. The thief cometh not but to steal. You, you think it's your bank account when it, when it could be your, your wife's affection, your husband's affection, your children's affection. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill. You think that's murder. It could be, but it could also be your dream, your ministry, your marriage, your relationships. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That thing that you, that thing that the Holy God, the Holy Spirit's dealing in you now, you think, I don't want to give that. Hey, hold on to it. It'll destroy you. You know what one of the God, you know what one of the devil's favorite things in the world to destroy people with is? You're not going to believe it because the word of faith taught you something different for 50 years, 60 years. Let me tell you what the devil loves to destroy people with. Let me tell you what the, de the devil loves to destroy people with. Americans in particular, he loves it. Success. He's not picky about how he destroys you. Oh. Oh. If he can destroy you with money, he'll make sure you have it. Oh, y'all ain't, ain't even listening. If he can destroy you with fortune, he'll make sure you have money. If he can destroy, if he can destroy you with fame, he will. Ask Katy Perry. If he, can, if he can destroy you with self-made that thing that he asked for, let me tell you, that wonderful thing, I'm harping. He hadn't moved on, so I'm not. That wonderful thing that you've worked all your life, I'm an adult. It's, it was my dream. I understand it was your dream. Did you ask God? Is it okay that I'm not done? Because we're at the nitty-gritty. Did you ask God? Take my house as my land. Take my dreams, take my plans. 
take the dearest thing to me if that's how it must be. I was on my way. I've been on my way several times. First time I was on my way, man, I was, I had, I had money like a printing press. You know what it did? Destroyed me. The very thing that I didn't want to let go of was my downfall. Oh, some people got ordained to have it. Are y'all hearing me at all? Whatever God has for your life is the best thing for your life. He will never take anything you need. He will never ask you to give anything you need. And he will never give you anything that will destroy you. That's not in his nature. That's why he says, seek. Set your affections on. Separate yourself from. And see what he will do. I'm calling Magda maturity. I mean, I've all, I tell you all the time, I think it'd be fun just to come in and be a camp meeting preacher every week. I can do it. I know how. I know, I know just what song, I know what lever to push here, what button to pull there. Or, you know. I, know what, I know what moves people. But he's, brought, he's, call, he's bringing Magda maturity where it's just more than salvation. All over this house, stand with me. We're going to draw here in a little bit for Mother's Day stuff. That'll come in a minute. No big deal. But on a serious Sunday morning, you know what I'm ready for? Let me just go ahead and say it. I am praying for, I want y'all to know it. I want you to hear me say it. I am praying for breakthrough Sunday morning. Not just a good service ever there on the end. We have some great services. This, this is a great service. It's just not what people call great service. You look on Facebook, oh, we had a great service this morning. That usually means the preacher didn't even preach. <laughs> we had a great service this morning. What does that mean? It means they like the song. Hello? But I'm ready for the day when there's a maturity about Mag that there's just a breakthrough in the power of God. And he's moving all over the house in individual lives. That's where the testimonies that mark is in individual lives. Father, we need you today at the end of this service. The moment of truth. See, you're the only one that can reveal. I can only, I can only declare. Seek you and try to follow your lead but you're the one that reveals and you're the one that changes hearts and lives and situations Lord I pray right now that by your spirit you begin to touch and tap tap on shoulders spiritually shake on some minds and shake somebody to their core if you need to Lord whatever it takes whatever it takes whatever it takes Lord, speak to somebody's heart this morning right now in this place that they've chased their own dreams. 
while you were screaming other dreams in their ears, imploring, begging, beseeching them to lay their dreams aside and walk with you. A world that said that bloom where you're planted would have left Moses in the palace (laughs) with Pharaoh rather than leading people out. God help us. All over this house, the question just is, It's just, God, I want you to be number one. Really, the call this morning is, is who will surrender? That's really it. That's the bottom line. It always comes down to that. And every time I think I've surrendered, there's more. There's some of you that have only began, if even that. This morning, who is it? Who was it this? How about I surrender all? Just find that. Who is it this morning? All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him. Some are already coming. That's that's the call this morning. That's really the call this morning. I won't beg you to surrender. That won't do any good. Who is it? Who is it? That's really the bottom line. That's the whole crux of all of it. Is who's willing to surrender? Who's willing to die to sin and self? Lord, I surrender all. Yes. I surrender. Lord, I surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Jesus. To Jesus, I surrender. All to Him. I freely give. I will never, will ever trust and trust Him. Is that you today? Let the song be your prayer. Sing it. I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender all all to thee my blessed Savior I surrender all sing that first verse again all to Jesus
Jesus, I surrender humbly at his feet I bow. Sing it. To Jesus, I surrender humbly at his feet I bow. Sing it. Worldly pleasures. Leave pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, to me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All. As we're wrapping up this service, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about a divided heart and what that looks like. What a divided heart, what's he asking for? Everything. Heather Ann, come here just a second. You can bring baby with you. Come on. I want you to see something. Y'all know what she looks like, but we're not looking at the baby. Don't pay that baby no attention. Our relationship with Jesus. Look at your look at your natural relationships. What does a divided heart look like? Heather, I love you. I want to be married to you with me all the rest of my life. I never want to do without you. You're my favorite. You're my favorite of all the women in the world. All these others. I may go spend a weekend off with one, but I'm coming home to you. You're my favorite. <laughs> I love you. I don't ever want to do without you till death do us part. I'm talking about what we do to Jesus. I'm talking about what we do to, I'm, I'm, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart about divided affection. That's why Paul and Jesus and, all, and all, all, the prophets, they called it spiritual adultery. When he's not number one, the number one, nothing else. When he's not all of it. Because you know what? I can assure you, she don't care if I come home to her 364 nights a year. You ain't hear me. She ain't, I'm not talking about I'm out of town. I'm talking about she ain't giving me one day off as her husband to be with somebody else. But it's fun. But I can afford it. She says, no, you can't. <laughs> are y'all, are you hearing? Are you seeing? I'm talking about spiritual things. It would be wrong in any instance for me to have an extra wife or girlfriend or whatever, always. 
There's things that God don't mind that you, that you have in your life, but there's some things he does. And there's some things you need to hear me. There's some things that I can have that you can't. There's things that you can have that I can't. Why? Because he asked me for it, not you. You're not, you're not understanding that. There are th- God knows you. He says he, enter, he, he knit together your inward parts. He knows you. He knows what will accentuate you. And he knows what will destroy you. What will destroy you probably won't destroy me. I could say things, but I think you get it. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him, I freely give. I will never love. Trust on his presence daily. what he's seeking he wants us and when he gets us it's our best life it's our best life 